Good morning, City Church. How's everybody doing today? How are you all doing online? You know what? I think it'd be a good idea. Should we pray for our nation? What do you think? Father God, we just thank you for Canada. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to gather in your name, to lift up your name. But also, God, we thank you that we have the responsibility to pray. God, we just pray, Lord, for the safety of our fellow citizens in Ottawa. We pray, Lord, in the midst of a difficult situation that you can be there, that you can help, that you can bring your grace, that you can bring your wisdom, that you can bring all that is necessary to this difficult moment. God, we pray, Lord, for our leaders on the municipal, provincial, and national level. We just pray, Lord, for righteous legislation, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that your will would be done that we can continue to gather and to lift up the name of Jesus because God, we know that the only thing that will change our nation is changed human hearts that are changed by your love and changed by your grace. So we thank you that we can continue to lift up the name of Jesus, that we can be difference makers through our prayers, through our words. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. amen. All right. Today, we are going to be talking about a new covenant, and we're going to be celebrating communion together at the end of the service. So if you're watching us online, you can go to your kitchen and grab some elements so that you can uh, receive communion with us at the end. Um, A couple weeks ago, when we finished off Digging Deep, we talked about um, just the idea week four was about being Jesus-centered, Jesus-centered as a church and as individuals. Last week, we talked on Vision Sunday, how our vision, our mission is to move people closer to Jesus you know, children, students, adults. And then today we're gonna be celebrating communion again, which is a very Jesus-centered thing. And we are a Jesus-centered church unapologetically uh, that we talk about and celebrate Jesus, even when it's not Easter Sunday. What do you say? Is that a good idea? (laughs) Um, But one of the things I knew uh, growing up in church, um, you know, I was with following my dad where he pastored, which was many different places. Uh, It's a long story that we won't get into this morning. But, you know, and growing up in church, you know, as a a child, a young person, that communion can just become another ritual, right? Does anyone know what any church kids out there want to testify? That it just becomes another thing that we do. We don't necessarily know why we're doing it. We know it's one of those physical things that we do in church. And then anything that we do by rote, Um, just automatically it can lose our meaning for us. And what we don't want to do is do that. We actually want to know what communion is all about, what it's celebrating, what the moment is in scripture, and then what is the moment supposed to be in our lives. Now, one of the things that we see um, in the scripture, we have the Old Testament and we have the New Testament. Um, You know, all the stories of the children of Israel and then the advent of Jesus in the New Testament but really those two things are also the old covenant and the new covenant. And covenant really isn't a word that we use necessarily, you know, contracts come out of the idea of covenant, but really contracts are for a specific time um, and for a very specific agreement. If you're ever having any work done in your house, you wanna have a pretty explicit contract because things could go 
south, and then you have to pay lawyers. You know what I'm saying. Um, but a contract is not a covenant. A covenant is actually something deeper, something um, eternal that we would see in the scripture. Now, the greatest example of a covenant that we have, you know, in modern times is marriage. You know, a lot of people try to say that, you know, marriage between a man and a woman, well, that's just a piece of paper. That's just something that you're doing at City Hall. And really, ultimately, it isn't in the heart and mind of God that a husband and a wife are making a covenant together. It is a lifetime thing um, that God is witness to and people are witnessing to and creating that um, core piece of society, which is a family. And, uh, you know, that's the greatest example of a covenant, but you also know that you have friends that you haven't necessarily you know, cut your hands and shake in blood and say, you know, we're blood brothers or something like that. But those people are your ride or die. Do you know what I'm talking about? That they are your friends for life and you know that you can always depend on them. And another manifestation of this for me is if you ever played on any sports teams, what, what brings us together is the color of our sweater and that's it. We all have different family members. But sometimes when you're playing sports, it can get really intense. And I can remember one time growing up, um, when, you're, when you're young, there isn't necessarily a backup goaltender on your team. So one time our goaltender couldn't be there for the team. And so we had to have, throw somebody into the net that day who had never played goal before. And all of us played like crazy. We all played like our mother was in net. You know what I'm saying? And we were gonna protect her at all costs and why we were just... In that moment, we were blood brothers and we were, you know, in covenant and we were going to protect our goaltender. And I, I honestly think looking back that that was one of the most intense games I had ever played. And at the core of that is a relationship. But then underneath all of that, what binds us together as friends and what brings us together in our marriages is trust. That's at the core of any good, long-lasting relationship is trust. And really, that's what we see in our relationship with God, that we are in a relationship with God through faith, and faith is trust, that I'm putting my trust in God. But this concept, this idea of covenant, we would know that there's no relationship with God outside of covenant. Now, covenant, the word covenant in simple terms just means a treaty, an alliance, an agreement. Give you a couple definitions here. A vassal covenant, what we would see in the scripture, is the unilateral choice of a superior to an inferior, two parties being involved in mutual obligation. Now, who is the superior in any covenant that includes God? It's God. Right, And then we are the recipients of the covenant that he is making with us. Now, in ancient times, nations would enter into covenants. And there would be a stronger nation that would promise and protect a weaker nation. In exchange, a lot of times, if you provide um, some food for us, we will protect your nation. And these two nations would enter into covenant. Uh, a common understanding in biblical times was this idea of covenant. A covenant oftentimes is a treaty, uh, one common way in the uh, ancient Near East where people would form relationships that were not blood relations, but there would be a common blood that would bring them together. And what would happen a lot of times is that they would, they would do something called cutting a covenant. 
and they would take an animal and they would cut that animal in, in half. Sorry, all animal lovers out there, I'm just telling you what they did back in the day. They would cut this animal in half and then these two people that were making the covenant would walk between the two pieces and what they were describing, they were saying, if I break this covenant, I will submit to being like this animal. In other words, if I break this covenant, I will die. So it's, it, it was something that was very serious, something that was very important. So in the scripture, we would see a covenant in the Garden of Eden. We would see a covenant with Noah. We would see the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and the Davidic covenant. And then finally, the eternal covenant in Christ. So God's covenant to Israel and subsequently to all humanity displays God's authority, his grace, his loving kindness, and his faithfulness. And a covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the two parties making the covenant. So God, we know, is faithful. God is making a covenant and he's giving something to humanity who is weaker. We know that God keeps covenant. It's impossible for God to lie. But what is the struggle for man? Our flesh, our complete inability to maintain the covenant. And this is what we see over and over again in the Old Testament, that God was making a covenant, all the ones that I just described. And then the children of Israel wouldn't keep up their side of the covenant, that they would break their covenant, even though God was faithful. And part of what's being shown in these stories is that this is the problem with man, our, our sinful nature, that we can't actually maintain integrity with a holy God. So what does God finally do? We know that God comes down in Christ and makes an eternal covenant with us. So listen to this, another definition of covenant. It's an oath-bound promise whereby one party solemnly pledges to bless or serve another party in some specified way. A, a, a covenant, it's like a pact. And people would say it like this, I swear to you that I will do this. So what are they saying with that? I, I'm making an oath to you, I'm making you a promise. Sometimes the keeping of the promise depends upon the meeting of certain conditions by the party to whom the promise is made. On other occasions, the promise is made unilaterally and unconditionally, and this is the type of promises God makes to us. The covenant concept is a central unifying one throughout the theme of scripture, establishing and defining God's relationship to man in all ages through covenant. So covenant has a couple different things. There's the terms, the conditions of the covenant. And these are the commitments kind of that we just read that I will say that I will do something. And how many of you know the good news for us being in covenant with God, when God says something, he will do it. God will always keep his side of the covenant. He is establishing covenants forever. So there's the term, there's the pact, there's the conditions of the relationship. And then covenants that we see in the scripture that include God, include faithful, loyal love. Doesn't that sound like a good idea for marriage? Doesn't that sound like a good idea for friendship? Faithful, loyal love. And this is what God gives to us in the new covenant. So we have the terms and then we have a mediator of the covenant. And this is something that we would see 
again, through the, the tabernacle temple system in the Old Testament, that there was a high priest who would offer sacrifices. And then there was other priests that weren't the high priest that they would be worshiping all of the time. And so there was the mediator of the covenant keeping up the sides of the covenant. And then finally, there was a token of the covenant. And we would see, you know, people would have sometimes a seal, like a, a signet ring of some kinds, that that would be the seal that they would give the saying, here's the promise that I, that I make. Now, representation for us in the New Testament is the communion elements. These are a token of the new covenant. They are showing us what God has done for us, what he has provided for us spiritually. So the words, the promises of the covenant are what are very important to us. Now, it's not the whole thing in the covenant, but it's a big part of it. We sang about it this morning. So what, what are God's promises to us? They're yes and amen. And how are they yes and amen? In Christ, the scripture says, that the promises of God to us are yes, not maybe, not sort of, not might be. No, God is a covenant keeping God. So in Christ, the promises are what? Yes and amen. And so that means they're not dependent on you, thank God, or me, thank God. Now, that doesn't mean that we should live foolishly or we should live sinfully. We are in covenant with the holy God, so we should want to live holy lives. But what uh, us receiving the promises of God have to do with God's loving, loyal nature. In Christ, the promises are yes and amen. So when we're receiving the communion elements again, and we're reminding ourselves of the goodness of God and the healing power of God and the forgiveness of God, we're not looking back at our week and trying to decide how good we are or perfect we were because we weren't. But you know who was? God was. God is still on the throne regardless of what's happening in Ottawa or Ukraine or whatever's happening on the, around the world. God is still good. God is a loving, loyal God. Amen. So what we're looking for is the conditions. What are the conditions of the covenant? What are the promises that God is making in the covenant? So we have all of the Old Testament and then we see the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is written um, to Jewish Christians. It's to help them to see that the sacrificial system wasn't coming back and to see that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the savior and that he was the high priest. Jesus is the mediator between God and man. The scripture says, who's the mediator? The man, Christ Jesus. So there's no other mediator between you and God. You don't have to come to me to pray to God. I am not a high priest. Jesus is the only high priest. And in fact, all of us in the new covenant, the scripture tells us that we're all kings and priests. Amen. So you don't need to go to a man to be able to pray to God. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Aren't you thankful that you're not going to a fallible man to say, hey, can you pray to God on my behalf? No, we can go right to the throne room of God because of Jesus the high priest. So the book of Hebrews is giving us all of these instructions, helping us to see how we moved into the new covenant. Let's read a few of these ideas here from Hebrews 7, verse 18. 
It says the former regulation, talking about the old covenant, the old Testament is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. (laughs) The law made nothing perfect. And we have a lot of laws in, in our nation, right? Don't you think? We have a lot of laws in our nation. And sometimes we think the more laws that we make, the better men and women will be. Is this true? Not at all. Now, people do stupid things, so we make a law to protect us from that happening again. But you, sweet and lovely, holy people here at the City Church this morning, I'm watching online. There's a lot of laws that we have in our country, and I'm going to guess that you've broken a few of them this week. Some of them you broke on purpose. Speeding. Driving by myself on Dairy Road. There's nobody else beside me. I don't need to go 80. Does the premier know how a good of a driver I am? I'm just gonna do what I wanna do. So more laws are not gonna change people's hearts. We know that this is true. And this is the reality, this is what the reality of the scripture is telling us. Changing of a human heart is the necessary thing. For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. What, what, what better than what? We need more laws. And it was not without an oath. Do you hear covenant language? Do you hear it? it was, there was an oath made. So all of this, again, in ancient times, this was what was being described between this oath that God was making to us. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Talking about Jesus. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant, an everlasting covenant. Who is the guarantor of the covenant? And you've seen again this language, when you sign a contract, you need a guarantor. Listen, we have no idea how much the Bible has influenced our society in the West. We have no idea. We take it all for granted. We take it all for granted and then we reject it. It's another subject. You can talk about that in your groups. The guarantor of a better covenant, better than the old covenant. Now, there had been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in the office. So every high priest in the old covenant, they all died. Different than Jesus, right? But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. High priest. The high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. This is part of the covenant that we are in, that Jesus is interceding on your behalf to God. 
Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant, the sinless Savior is interceding for you. Thank God for that. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. So again, you hear this for the Jewish mindset? We need to reinstitute the sacrificial system. No, it's gone forever. We're not, we're not taking our pets to church and sacrificing them. Jesus has done it for us. Unlike the other high priest, he does not to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all. When he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men and all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has, made, who has been made perfect forever. Do you see the genius of this? That the necessary covenant that man was never able to hold up. He was, man was never able to hold up his end. So God sent his son, the man Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus is the mediator, the perfect savior, the sinless lamb of God. In one sinless lamb, God and man, the covenant was cut. Amen. Not dependent on you and me. Wasn't, it's not dependent on our goodness, it's dependent on Jesus. The unilateral thing that God did for us in Christ Hebrews chapter eight, verse three says this, every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy of the shadow what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned that he was about to build the, the tabernacle. See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant, which he is a mediator, is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established upon better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, talking about the old covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, now, here is a prophecy from the book of Jeremiah. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will establish with the people of Israel at, after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickednesses, wickedness and I will remember their sins no more by calling this new this covenant new, he made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. A better covenant based on better promises. 
Now, when we think about the Old Covenant, if you can remember any of the promises um, from the Old Covenant, do we know that there was healing in the Old Covenant? There was a ton of scriptures in the Old Covenant about healing. So if there's healing in the Old Covenant, it's a better covenant, is there healing in the New Covenant? Now, if you, my Bible school instructor used to say it like this. If, you, if I give you a $10 bill or a $20 bill, which is better? It's not a trick question. Which is better? The 20 is better. Why is the 20 better? Because it's got the 10 plus, right? So it's not, we're not taking away the 10, we're adding on to the 10. So all of the promises, the provision that we see in the old covenant, which is for our bodies, which is for our resources, which is for our family, which is for our peace, which is for everything that we could think about, all of that we saw in the Old Testament, better covenant based upon better promises by the guarantor, Christ Jesus. So we, can't, we shouldn't look longingly at the children of Israel and say, well, they had all of these blessings, but here we are in the new covenant. No, the new covenant is better. The old one's outdated. We've got the $10 plus. The promises, what are they? They are yes and amen in Christ. Better covenant based upon better promises. Hebrews 9, therefore he is a mediator of a new covenant. Have you ever had the blessing to be able to get a new car or maybe a newer used car <laughs> or you got to drive on a new bus? I don't know, whatever, whatever the thing is. And you walk in, it's like there's that smell, that newness smell. Or if you ever got your house painted, it's like, oh, this is new. This is better. This is what it should be like every day walking in our relationship with God. Oh, this is new. 